Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Brent Bowers. Uh, Brent, let's start by uh, give a, the audience an introduction to who you are, and then we'll get into some of this land stuff. Love it. Uh, my name is Brent Bowers, as you just said, Glenn. Thanks for having me on the Canadian Investing in USA. Um, this is definitely what, the first time I've ever been on a podcast that wasn't in the USA or wasn't about the USA. But I think we got a lot of stuff we can give your listeners. Um, I am a land investor, full-time land investor, uh, full-time husband, full-time father. And I do land because it offers uh, so many things that, you know, single families and multifamilies don't offer. And, you know, I'm no dummy to the multifamily and the single family space. I also own a, a real estate company that buys and sells houses as well. And I own, a, I'm a part owner of a 19 unit apartment complex, but I love land because it gives us me the financial freedom. It gives me monthly paychecks and it gives me most importantly, time freedom to spend with my family and to travel and do whatever the heck we like because i haven't always had that with my wt job but that's a little bit about me <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i heard brent on another show and i was like i gotta get this guy on my show because it's just a topic that we really haven't tackled and and until i actually heard his show i really didn't even understand how land is a good investment because typically you're like i'm like how you're look, I'm looking for cash flow or I'm looking for like a flip opportunity or something like that. And I'm like, how do you make that work with land? <laughs> yeah. tell, tell us a bit about land. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like you were telling me about your, your the guy in Indiana just picking the lots up for super cheap. And that's kind of how I started. Yeah. You know, I was buying, I was wholesaling. I was actually trying to get my wholesaling business off the ground while I was an army officer. Um, I don't know if you know anything about being an officer in the military, but it is extremely demanding. You know, the military literally owns you and, you know, you're always working. I'm at my office by 5.30 a.m. and leaving usually at 6 or 7 at night. So it was not a W-2 job. It was literally, you know, shackles for me, myself. You know, I had a great time in the military, um, but that was, I, I call that my stepping stone. It was my learning experience. It got me out of the country. I learned a lot. However, I wanted to get back home. You know, I my eight and a half years in the military, I was probably only only home maybe four years out of the eight and a half years. So I was looking for an opportunity. So I was starting a wholesaling business because I thought that was easy. Yep. You know, I thought it was really easy to buy houses and then turn around and sell them to cash buyers. Um, and then I was just hitting walls. I was mailing, mailing, spending lots and lots of money. I, I mean, like several thousands of dollars a month on mail. And oh, by the way, I only made, you know, $5,000 a month. So <clears throat> I was going in credit card debt. But the coach I had hired for wholesaling, he said, you know, throw all the vacant land stuff away. So I was yeah, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm listening to podcasts because I'm still searching, still searching for knowledge, taking action, taking action. But that, that was the thing. I think that's what made me successful. Is I always was just taking action. I'll listen to podcasts on the way to work and then take action at night, basically, and, and during the lunchtime. But something, you know, I, I came across this podcast where this guy's like buying land at auctions. And I didn't understand any of that, but I was like, I have all these land mailers. I'm mailing the tax delinquent list and the county held tax lien list. Um, for those that don't know, tax delinquent list is just people that get behind and they don't pay their taxes. And then the county held tax lien list 
Most people don't know about that. That is something where the land or the property sucks so bad and no one's even paying the tax lien on it. So I mailed those guys <laughs> as well. Out of 687 letters, my phone rang about 84 times and I bought two properties from that, two pieces of vacant raw land. And oh, by the way, they were both non-buildable and one you couldn't even access. Um, but I bought them both for around 285 and then 300 on the second. And I flipped them so fast. And I mean, fast, like the first one I did the next day for $5,000. And then the following week, I got a $500 down payment. So I got my investment back out of it yeah. and then held financing for the next 10 months at $400 a month. Or actually, no, it was 11 months. Uh, long story short, I got about 5,000 for that one too. So both of those were really quick, fast, easy money. And the second one was even better because I held the financing. So I got paid for a few months on it, 10 months to be exact. So yeah, so, after uh, I- I'll cut you off quickly. So people yeah, who didn't quite catch that, people who didn't quite catch that, he bought the property and then he seller financed the property or the, the land. I'm just so used to saying property. Yeah. The, the land out. Um, and he was making almost each payment was the amount he purchased it for, right? Was that, it was pretty close. Well, I remember the exact You're dead number. accurate, Glenn. Yeah. You're dead accurate. And I knew I went through that quickly. Um, yeah, and, and please cut me off because I, I like to talk. I like to, no, but I like to <laughs> break it down so people get that, right? Like they get that, like, you know, the... They can, because people are like, how do you get a cash flow from land? How do you, and there it is. There, there's the secret sauce right there. So anyway, continue. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's it. That was the secret sauce. And I was just like, for about 10 property deals, now you've got me calling it properties, uh, for about 10 <laughs> land deals, I didn't, I didn't believe it. I was like, is this really possible? And I, I, I want to say easy, but it was like, it wasn't easy. There was still work involved. Um, but I never looked back after that. We started rinsing and repeating, you know, coming up with a way to buy more land, started expanding. Um, and it's funny, the county I first started in, which was my own backyard in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I do the least land deals here now here. And because there's so much opportunity all over. It's kind of like you were telling me about in Indiana. Like I'm gonna check that city out and I'm gonna start <laughs> buying some land there. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I can break this down for the listeners very easy. I am getting land at a massive discount and I'm turning around, I'm buying this land at a massive discount and I'm turning around and selling it at a premium and offering seller financing for two reasons. One, it opens up the world of buyers for me because a lot more people, there's a lot more people out there that can afford one or two or three or $500 a month rather than six or seven or eight or $10,000 down or 50,000, whatever the land costs. Yep. You know, most banks will not finance. I'm offering two things. I'm offering the financing and the land. You know, people don't even realize this is possible. And then number two, for me, every deal we do, I know that we're gonna be paid for the next five, six, seven, 30 years cash flow. So every time we do a deal, let's just say we do five deals in a week that, that get us $200 a month, every single week, we add a thousand dollars a month to our cash flow. It really adds up. <laughs> and you, you touched on another awesome thing: the land. Land is, as far as I've found, is not really financeable. Um, even when you're doing, uh, I know you can find some lenders that will do like um, 
ground up construction. So if you're already, you're planning to do the construction from day one, you might be able to put factor the land into it. But um, especially when you're in Colorado, you're more expensive market, right? So um, a lot of times people don't have the money because they want to do like, um, say a fix and flip loan to build this house or a, a new construction loan, but sometimes it doesn't finance the land. So if you're buying some of these more expensive areas, like, you know, lots are a hundred thousand or so, uh, you're, you're going to be, you can't buy these, <laughs> you can't finance the land. So if you have to come up with a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, even 50 or 10, whatever your number is, you can't, you get stuck. Um, I was looking at building, um, new construction houses in Canada. And some of the lots are like $400,000 for a vacant lot. And you're like, I have to sink in $400,000 and then build the house. But at the end, I can refine, get it all back. But yeah. it's just, you're stuck. And you're like, you're, it's a, a pain point that you can solve for people. Because you know what? If I could get that, that four, uh, $400,000 lot, but I was just making payments of even 1500 a month, it's much more, or 2000 whatever it works out to, it's much more manageable and makes more sense in my mind than spending, letting 400000 sit in a lot. And yeah, you have way less risk. You know, let's just say you finance it for 10 months, yep. 1500 a month. You have, what, fifteen grand into it? Yep. Rather than $400,000 sitting there. And I just ran into that. You know, we call it the Burr method, the buy, uh, renovate, uh, rent it out, and then refinance it. Well, hey, my office space, I'm, I did that. Yep. So here's the catch, though. I had about $139,000 cash into this and it's now time to refinance. So I re I refinance it. Guess what? How much of that cash I got back out? Thank God I didn't have to come to the table of closing like I'm having to do on a second burr. Yeah. I got 20,000 back, 20,000 out of 139. That was kind of a kick in the pants. And, and, and the reason why it's a commercial building with nine offices in it and there's none rented out. It's just me, I'm the only tenant so they looked at the evaluation and and hardly gave me any of my money back because i didn't have tenants another thing we bought a lake house i sunk about a hundred thousand well no not a hundred about eighty thousand dollars cash into this house and now i'm refinancing out of my hard money loan guess how much i have to come to the table another twenty thousand so i'll have a hundred grand into this house so land it's crazy because i could buy this this lot or this buildable lot where you're talking about in Canada, which that's $400,000 for a lot. Like I'm not messing with that stuff. No, that's no. too expensive for my blood. Um, I would, yeah. I would probably have to send 5,000 offer letters at 25 cents on the dollar to get oh, yeah. maybe, maybe one accepted, which is fine. That's still good numbers. You still buy it for a hundred grand and sell it for four quick 300,000. I would probably flip that one. I probably wouldn't even sell or finance it <laughs> unless, unless I got a down payment large enough to pay, the amount I paid the seller. So I love to focus on these lots that are three, four, five, seven, ten thousand dollars and I get most of my money back with a down payment. So that gets my risk out of it. Like I'm literally profitable on most of these within six months. So, so not the same thing with houses <laughs> and land. What I was gonna ask you, we kind of touched on it already. What are these buyers looking to do with this land that are buying it from you? That's a great question. And if you would ask me that a couple of years ago, I, I wouldn't have had it, the same answer. And, you know, most of the time I've got, I've sold over probably 250 parcels of land now. Um, it's funny because I'll give you the top five. Yeah. We want to build a house on it one day. We want a cabin or we want to build a cabin. Just something we can go to once, once in a while. 
We want to do off-grid, like a little tiny house, or we want a place we can bring our RV. We want to camp, you know, build a fire, lay under the stars, have a place for our four-wheelers and dirt bikes and all that. So that's kind of the top five. Now, eventually these people get around to it, but all the, the like all the times that people ask me, hey, can I build on it while I'm I'm paying for it? I always tell them yes. Yes, of course. Do you know how many have actually built on the property while they're paying me for it? Not one single person. So it's just a someday maybe for a lot of people. And you know, recreational is my bread and butter, recreational land. Uh, if you don't, if your listeners like, I'll explain what recreational land is. Yep. It's basically land on the outskirts, you know, away from the city, 30, 45 minutes away from the McDonald's and the Walmarts. Recreational land is, you know, you, you got more options. You know, it's not as restricted. You can have that cabin. And there's some are, are some areas that restrict you, but you just got to kind of figure out what the county wants and abide by the rules. Cool. Now, and there's also the, the zombie apocalypse if you're getting up on the uh, mountains and stuff, right? Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I don't like to talk about COVID too much, but I will say that COVID has made such a demand for our recreational land. It's just wild just wild it's it's actually driven prices up which is fine because i had a lot in inventory yeah <laughs> so i i was able to some some of my properties like charge 50 percent more because there was so much demand not that i was price gouging but it just like our leads almost doubled when COVID started happening because everyone wanted to get out get away like i know a family that they actually spent their 14 days quarantine time in their camper on a piece of land i sold them <laughs> so you mentioned there you're um you know marketing to sellers so um if you go to sell these are you using one of those land sites to sell it or are you doing your own direct uh to seller you betcha glenn i like to be omnipresent you know i used to i i really used to just sell my land on craigslist uh craigslist got a little funny i'm still on craigslist we still get great results on craigslist but then i went to also facebook buy sell groups um you know what's going on in places like Maine right now or New York, yeah, it's getting really cold. Right. So I just joined these buy sell groups and advertise my Florida land where it's really warm. <laughs> and we do things like neighbor letters. You know, I send letters to the neighbors like, "Hey, I own the land right next to you. I'm interested in selling it, and I'd even finance it for you at zero percent interest or something like that." Yeah. So we get a lot of neighbors buying it. We do signs. We put signs out on the sides of highways. I love buying land next to a highway. And what I'll do is I'll still sell that land, but I'll put in my contract for deed, my land sales contract. That's how we, we sell the land on a contract for deed. Yep. I'll put in there that they've got to let me leave my sign up for like five years. Oh. Um, and then to answer your question, yes, you bet you, I'm on all the land websites, land watch, <laughs> land and farm, land century, because it works that people are actually going there to buy land. If they're scrolling through a buy sell group, we're just kind of catching the people that don't really realize they want land or know that they can even finance land. And we get a lot of deals from, from all over. Um, I would say my best key performance indicator, my KPI to where I get the most leads and the most conversions is probably right now our signs. I was just doing, I listened to, I did a wholesale course on the weekend and it was, they were still saying all the bandit signs are still outperforming the letters and everything else, which is so old school, but yeah. We'll say our bandit signs for our house buying company. We haven't gotten a deal for about a year on those. No, uh, we put about a hundred a week out. Maybe we can even double it or something, but it's funny because our last deal, um, I remember the numbers. It was one that we actually, my company actually flipped. We made $56,000 profit 
And when, when we go in the red, when we go in the negative on signs, we're done with them. Like we're absolutely done. I've had signs blow into people's cars. You know, we've had to pay for that stuff. Those little dinky bandit signs. I don't do that with land. I used like to use the more secure four by fours in the ground, plywood. Yeah. I own the land. We're not playing those games with the, the city because we can only put them out on Friday. I have to pick them up on Monday. <laughs> it's such a pain in the butt. Do you have to get permits with those big signs? Uh, in some areas, uh, yeah. depending where you're at, like for instance, funny story. I live in a landowners association. I live on 58 acres, mm-hmm. landowners association. And my land goes right up to an interstate. Like it go, it's very long. And I put a sign out there. I'm so proud of this sign. It's like both sides reflective. I was going to put lights on it. It's yeah. a huge piece of plywood. <laughs> well, guess what? The landowners associate. Well, no, let me back up. Guy calls me, says, hey, your sign's on my land. I was like, no way. There's no way your sign, my sign's on your land. I looked like where, because I stood on top of my barn and figured out where the center of my property was at. And the other neighbor owns 40 acres next to me. Well, it was actually a land investor that bought the, like the triangle, the 1.25 acres between me and my neighbor on the highway. Oh. Sure enough, he was dead right. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, I'll move it. I'm so sorry. Like, he's like, no, no worries. He's really cool. He's like, just leave it. It's all good. Like buy rock from my quarry one day. And I sure enough did. Uh, we were landscaping. Yeah. But about a month later, the Landowners Association contacts me, speaking of permits, that's where this is going. He yeah. goes, hey, you need to remove your sign and here's the fine if you don't do it. And I'm looking at this fine, it's like $200 a month. And I was like, I will pay the fine because that sign has sold me almost $150,000. And, and notes receivables coming in several thousand. Well, wait, months. isn't the isn't the sign on someone else's property? Is are they part of the homeowners association too? You got it, Glenn. <laughs> so I had like a little ace in the hole. My dumb luck. God blessed me, and I sent the landowners association uh, screenshots of the GIS map and the assessor's yeah. office, an email, and I was like, "Hey, that sign's not on my land." And they sent me a reply back, a letter in the mail of a thank you note for taking the time to reply to them and nothing else to this day. <laughs> so, you know, talking about permits, you know, be do your due diligence. Um, mine was just dumb luck, yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so you said uh, start of COVID, um, you had a bunch of inventory and it got more valuable during COVID because people are moving out of the city. Um, it sounds like a business where you're holding a bunch of inventory throughout it. How long does it take to find the buyers for these properties? I know it's going to be market specific, but are you holding a lot of inventory in order to make this all work? No. Um, in the beginning, like I would only do onesies, twosies, threesies at a time. If I only had a couple properties, I would, they would be gone in 30 days. Um, the reason why I had a lot of inventory is because I got on a buying spree. I found out this worked and I got overconfident with it. I had a guy come to me with 117 parcels of land in Arizona. Yep. We bought them. I had another guy come to me with a package of, I think, 18 properties in Colorado. We bought them. So I bought almost 125, 35 properties all at once within a few weeks' time frame. So when you do that, you have a lot to sell. So you, it almost took a little while to ramp up. Now I'm back to the problem I was having a year ago. I'm out of land, you know, like, so, and oh, by the way, the guy that mails my land got COVID. So he took a month and a half off to feel better. He also had just had a brand new baby. So he kind of just like disappeared on me. So we 
stopped mailing and ran out of land. So now it's like, I've got all these leads. I got 10 to 15 leads coming in a day and no land to sell them. So it's kind of an up and down and, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still practicing. I have a active land business, you know, and every day we learn something. It's <laughs> like getting that mail leveled off. Now we send about uh, 50 offer letters a day. And then sometimes we'll change it up with a postcard. That way we have the constant trickle of land deals coming in. So this is one thing that just popped in my head. Like, how do you calculate the ARV on land? Like, <clears throat> <question>. <laughs> so I teach my students this and I've done it a bunch of different ways. And it's so funny, you know, talking about dumb, blind luck. I used to just offer half the assessed value because I ne had no clue how to do it. I didn't know what it was worth, but now I rely on the experts. You know, there's three experts out there. One, realtors. And a lot of realtors don't, don't dabble in land because you know sometimes it's like more of an inefficient type market you know they won't make a huge commission on a piece of land that's 40,000 or 30,000 or 20,000 so they don't really mess with it but you can ask that realtor hey who do you what other realtor or who can you refer me to that invest or I'm sorry that deals in land yeah. another way is get on land watch or land and farm and scroll through the area that you're in let's just say it's phoenix colorado there will be a realtor that space face pops up. Like if you check Apache County, Arizona, my face is gonna pop up as a signature seller, as the actual land specialist out there. Call that guy and see what the land's worth. You know, I also like to go to Zillow. Zillow is huge. You know, some areas Zillow's not in still, don't worry about that. Uh, if, if, if that's the case, and I'll show you, I'll tell you another resource, but go to Zillow, see what people are listing the land for, how long it's been on the market, and see what people are selling the land. So you get the for sale and the sold. Now, if there's like no transactions happening, that tells me there's no volume. Now, if there's a lot more uh, for sale than sold, that tells me there's a lot of supply, much not much demand. Yeah. Or there's a lot of sold and nothing available, yeah. a lot of demand, no supply. And then third, the land websites. This is the oh, absolute best yeah. resource. I go to Land Century. I go to Landwatch, which is my favorite. I go to landflip.com, landmoto.com. All these sites have land for sale. So you can kind of see what it's worth. Like, let's just say you're looking for five acres and there's someone selling it for $50,000 and you see the average is $50,000 for five acres. That tells you the land's worth about $10,000 an acre in that exact area. So you mentioned pay, like using a realtor. How does the realtor, because I found whenever I do anything with realtors, how does the realtor get paid from that? Or are you just going to do some of the properties through them onto the MLS just so that they, because I find you always, you guys going to make, asking for free advice is always tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend free advice. I, I like to ask the realtor, how do you, how do you want to be compensated? Yep. You know, do you want to list the land for me? Do you want me just to pay you like a fee? Um, and a lot of times it's so funny that the, the, the answers are always so different. There's some realtors out there that just serve, 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 serve. And the guy that lists, you know, I think he lists 12 houses for my house buying company last year, yeah. served us. He gave us all the comps, all the comparable market analysis, CMAs, or some people call them brokers price opinions, BPOs. This guy did this for about six months for my house buying company for free. Oh, by the way, but he got 12 listings last year from us. So there's people out there, there's a great book called The Go Giver. It's yeah. give, 
give, give, give, and you eventually will receive. You know, it's a great attitude to have. Um, so I like to ask the realtor how they want to be compensated. It's so funny, that first land deal I told you I did for $285, non-buildable piece of land overlooking a national forest. The reason why it was non, well, I'll tell you, let me, yeah. let me back up. I didn't know what it was worth. I knew I could buy it for 285, had no clue what it was worth. So me and my wife and my brand new baby took a ride on a Saturday, about an hour and a half drive, went and looked at this magnificent piece of land. Like I was in love with it, had a lake down here. Um, so we're leaving and we're like, how the heck can we figure out what this is worth? So I saw a real estate office, not a mile away from the land. So I call and I talked to this sweet lady on the phone on a Saturday, took the call and I asked, I was like, what can I blast this out on the MLS for? Like, I want to be gone with this in 30 days. She said, maybe 10,000, maybe you're pushing it. Maybe. And I'm thinking, ching, 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 ching. Oh, like, yeah. I bought it for 285. I haven't bought it yet. I haven't even paid the seller yet because 285, $285 back in 2015 was a lot of money for me. Yeah. Like that would have been like grocery money. Yeah. Um, so I hang up with her and she calls me back five minutes later. And I didn't, I didn't know how to talk to realtors. I didn't ask her about compensation. She just, I just told her I was looking at a lot and I'm wondering what I could list it for. And that she's doing her job. She's serving me. And she calls me back and goes, Hey, um, I know you haven't paid for it yet. I know you're thinking about buying this lot, but is it okay if I buy it from you? And I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, what are you offering? She goes, I could pay $5,000. And I was just like, my eyes probably popped out of my head a little bit. Um, Cause I'm like 285, 5,000. I'm no math magician, but I see ROI like just going up. Oh, and yeah. so I was like, well, when can you close? She goes, well, it's Saturday. I could probably close on Wednesday. <laughs> like you're kidding me. So I'm a really good negotiator. And I was like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> um, so I call the seller back and I was like, sure, I'll take the deal. We meet on Tuesday. I get my quit claim deed. It's a, the transfer document to, to the, the sellers quit claiming this property to me. And I'm stuck with any liens, encumbrances, whatever it's got. I didn't do any title search on it. And we're going to the title company Wednesday to get my check. So I, I send my, my quit claim deed to the title company. Title company wrapped everything up all, on Wednesday. I get out of work at five o'clock on Wednesday and I go and get my $5,000 check. <laughs> That's called a realtor. <laughs> That's a great story. So my, I think this is my last question, unless you have more to go with. But for these properties, is it um, easier to unload cheap ones? Is it better to be like uh, doing per low purchase prices, low sale prices? Uh, or is it like better to get into the lots in like a city that might be more expensive? Where, where do you find is the, 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 the magic sort of space to be in? So I kind of started out in the infill lots, the buildable lots, the city lots, and they were really easy to get rid of. You know, I was just putting them on uh, add on Craigslist and they were gone. Um, it's really what you prefer. Um, you know, what you build will become easy. You know, what, what's that movie? Uh, if you build it, they will come. The Field of Dreams. Dreams. Yeah. You know, at first, the lots I bought in Arizona were a little hard to unload. You know, I bought 117 lots and I was having a little bit of a hard time selling them. It took me a couple months to sell them. But once I found out the area that people were buying, so, for instance, I figured out where the people were coming from moving to that area in Arizona, and I started advertising to them. So I just had to find the trend. Um, same thing with the billable lots. It's really, you know, whatever 
it's your cup of tea. I don't know if one is easier than the other. It's which one are you prepared for and which like, it's all going to be growing pains. Um, it's all, it all takes work, but eventually you have a robust buyer's list of, you know, several thousands of people looking for a lot in Apache, Arizona at this much, or you build that buyer's list of builders, you know, whatever the, you know, classic homes and all these people, or yeah. you go around and see, find flippers or the, the, we buy houses sign and you start putting, building a list of their email and their phone number, just, and you can call these guys like, look, I come across buildable lots all the time. I see you're building this new house. Is it okay if I call you next time I have one in inventory? And nine times out of 10, they're going to say, please. So you get these people's phone numbers and emails. And once you build it, it becomes a rinse and repeat. You have your buying machine and then your selling machine. It's yep. all about building the machines. Right. And then you, you said you buy them at like 25 cents on the dollar. You're not selling them at 100%, right? Because usually you're selling to someone who's looking for a discount, right? So what are you, 75, something like that? Or If what? I'm financing them, oh, I sell them at what it's worth. Because yep. I'm financing them, I can actually charge even more, I've found. Yeah. Um, you know, let's just say, you know, sometimes I'll have people say, well, I don't want to pay that much. That's fine. What 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 are you thinking? So if I know I've paid, you know, you know, three thousand, and I'm selling it for 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 ten thousand, and they offer me eighty seven hundred. I say, fine, that's no problem. You still want to do the financing? What's the most you can put down? Well, I can put it down about seven hundred bucks. No worries. Um, what's what's your affordable monthly payment? You know, three fifty a month. And then since they got me from ten thousand to eighty seven hundred, what do I do? I, I put interest on it, six yep. seven percent interest. And oh by the way, I'm still going to get my ten thousand dollars. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, last thing before we go, you, I heard you slip in coaching program or um, a course or something. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is my my uh, my passion. Like I, I really like the land, and I've got a team that now, you know, helps me with the land. They buy and they sell it, and you know, I get to get a monthly paycheck from it. Um, well, I needed to do something with my time <laughs> besides drive my wife crazy. Um, so I started coaching people, uh, and I actually built the course around 16 live students and I, I filmed all the modules and it's all filmed. You can do it in the middle of the night. I think the longest video is 12 minutes and it's all on action steps. I hold my students hands and, and prepare them to show them what's coming and walk them through the steps of building your land buying machine and your land selling machine and everything in between. Um, so it's a course. I, I do a weekly support coaching call that's recorded. So um, I'm literally like one-on-one -on -one coaching these uh, students. So I think I've got about 45 students so far. Um, half of them are having success, uh, which is, I'm just thrilled with because, you know, I hate that whole 80-20 rule. Like I'm going to lead that horse to water, get that horse to drink. And if that horse doesn't drink, I'm going to grab it by its neck and put it in the water and make it drink. <laughs> so no, I push my students, uh, but they do deals. And actually one of them is here in the office with me. He just pulled up. So, um, yeah. So if you want to check it, check that out, it's a, uh, the landsharks.com. That's T H E L A N D S H A R K S.com. The landsharks.com schedule a call. I'd love to jump on the phone. Um, see if we're a good fit. If I can help you with your, your land investing uh, goals. 
I think it'll probably appeal to a lot of people for a couple of reasons. Like the price points for the purchase and sale is going to be really affordable for buying property, especially if you can, you know, you can pick wherever you want. And that's a lot of the reasons why these Canadians are going to the U.S. is because the price points are much more affordable, right? Um, I, I think it, I think it could be a good fit for a lot of people. I'm, I'm always looking at different uh, streams of income, and I haven't done raw land, and it uh, it does sound very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's and it's so less demanding. My I have rental properties for tax purposes, and like I said, we have the flipping company, and our land buyers never really call asking for much besides, hey, I want to pay my land off, or hey, I'm behind, you know, things like that, and it's going to happen. And and we have a automated. Um, note tracking software that basically pulls the payment each month for, for our land buyers. Um, but you know, th there's not a lot of drama with them. Like it's not, Hey, I can't pay the rent this month or, you know, just, Hey, the roof's leaking or Hey, the toilet won't stop running. Like things like that that we get with from our property managers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. You're not dealing with tenants. To well, we still kind of not really tenants though, but no toilets, no roof, no, none of that stuff. It's, a lot cleaner as long as they pay their uh, their servicing fee. And you they said so you do that in house instead of using like a servicing company, eh? Yeah, I've looked at a few servicing companies, and man, they want like forty dollars uh, a note, and it's like I was looking at that, it's like adds up. Um, so I use another note tracking software. They're absolutely incredible. Um, basically, they pull the, the payment for me each month, charge a late fee if they're behind, it tracks everything and my bookkeeper just logs in, pulls it, uploads it to QuickBooks, and it's like, into the we're done. So it's kind of in-house, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's, a, it's nicer than using those, you know, paying those fees to the servicing company. Oh, yeah. They were, they were astronomical. I could see if like I was getting like, you know, $2,000 a month for a lease option on a house. You know, okay, forty dollars isn't much, but if I'm getting five ninety nine or two ninety nine, some notes we have, I think, is seventy nine dollars a month. Like forty dollars, no way. <laughs> yeah, so, way too high. I think uh, I'm paying a hundred dollars a month for our note tracking software. So, if people wanted to track you down, Brent, where do they where do they find you? Yeah, that... I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Brent L Bowers, and that's B R E N T L is in Lima, B O W E R S, Brent L Bowers, or uh, thelandsharks.com. I'm pretty easy to find. Cool. I'll throw that uh, those links in the show notes, so people just want a quick link, just to click on it and uh, be easy. Cool. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I I learned a lot from you listening to you on other podcasts, and I got to pick your brain, which is the perk of having your own show to add all my little extra nuances into it. But thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Glenn. 